Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio, North America's only show dedicated to the equipment that is used to feed, clothe, and fuel the world. And that's the equipment that you guys are driving and operating. I am Ray Bohax, as if you did not know that, the hot rod farmer from New Jersey in Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then with a re-air and encore of the same episode on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, and that is exclusively, that means you find it no place else, except as a podcast one week afterwards on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. So hopefully everything is going well with you in your operation, and God willing, you're getting the needed weather that uh, is required for your crops. It's just a horrific, horrific uh, situation across Canada with those wildfires, and it's affected us greatly here down in New Jersey. You get these people that are running around like it's the end of the world, and... uh, forget about it but anyway but there was a lot of haze here and the smell of smoke which is really amazing because supposedly the fire supposedly right if you could believe the news well i guess i have to believe that because i know the geography of canada and the united states that the that the smoke and the uh the odor i should say the smell it smelled like i'm mean, like wood burning uh was coming from quebec and quebec is such a beautiful beautiful province uh all of Canada is so beautiful in, in 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 its unique way, just like the United States. That the topography and the uh, I mean, to me, the prairies, the prairies of the Western United States and the, the prairies of Canada really tug at my heartstrings. The the mountain ranges in North America and everything just just I just love it all, but for different reason. And Quebec is a beautiful province, but the smoke and the uh, that we've been getting down here in Hackettstown and in New Jersey, I should say, the Northeast, has supposedly is originating in Quebec, which makes sense. I know there's a lot of fires in Ontario, but I get, that's a, a little bit west of here. If you would go due north of where the farm is, maybe about five, 600 miles, well, about 500 miles, you'd be in Quebec. And they used to have on their license plates years ago, Je me souviens, which means in French, I remember. And... Uh, so it isn't prior to that they had in the license plates la belle provence so excuse me for my poor french french accent for anybody that is canadian but what a horrific situation i mean the wildfires in the united states are are, are just as horrific but they did not span from coast to coast and as what i understand is that those fires up in quebec i mean i should say quebec they're from all the way from nova scotia to the west coast of canada so that is really amazing, amazing in a bad sense. And I just can imagine all the devastation and the hardship and the loss for not only people, but animals and uh, wildlife and just terrible, terrible, terrible. And uh, a few years back, I was going to, uh, I had a bad infiltration for two years of fall panicum in my sweet corn field because my pre did not work, not because it was not good. But it got no rain, which is the same thing that, or actually, it, it, that year it got a lot of rain uh, and a heavy, heavy 
we had 10 inches in one storm and it washed all the pre down too deep so anyway i had a a really bad flush or fall panic come throughout the field two years in a row and so what i decided to do was to get the permit that i wanted to burn the field and uh to burn up that fall panicum seed and i got the permit and then uh ironically at that particular point it was the following spring it was very damp and we had the cover crop and the fall panicum in there fall panicum was on the ground i cut it down and killed it and uh, the uh, uh, triticale burned off triticale uh, dead triticale and it was so it was so damp out that you could not get a fire to start if you wanted it to which was unbelievable to remind me of the biblical story right of uh, wetting the wood and then uh, seeing if the lord could still light it and obviously he could but anyway there's a little bit more to that story than that i'm uh, i'm sure most of you know that as well as i do but anyway did start to get a fire going so a few years ago in the spring and then i heard at the I heard a little chirping sound. It wasn't a bird. It was like a squeaking sound. And this poor little frog came over to me. And he was just looking up at me, crying for help from the fire. And I picked him up and I put him safely into the forest. And the fire wasn't really taking. And a friend of mine was helping me to burn the farm. He was uh, on the. Uh, he was retired from the New Jersey forest fire. I said to him. Uh, 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 I said, don't forget about it. They said, the good Lord spoke to me that we're not burning this field. And I have to say that I had no fall panicum whatsoever. I had a beautiful, beautiful crop. But just it's terrible what's going on up there in Canada. And our prayers are going out to all of those people. And in the United States also where there is forest fires. But it seems that the Canadian ones are a little, I shouldn't say, more aggressive are more horrific in many ways and what are we going to talk about today on this show is we're going to talk about about belts not the belt you go that you wear around your waist like i need that right because i'm too fat and uh but the thing is that you know drive belts you know what we used to call years ago fan belts but rubber drive belts and they're not even really rubber anymore but belt what you need to know about belts and people say "Ah, what does it need to know i'm not going to listen well there's a lot to need to know about belts so i'm going to ask you to sit pat during this short break and just remember this is the show where america's farmers and ranchers go to learn about their equipment I've been talking about being an entrepreneur literally since I was 10. Sirius XM's Business Radio. Inspiration to help you achieve more in business. Be creative, be tenacious, be decisive. Just do it. From finding a work-life balance to motivational stories from entrepreneurs big and small. You learn something in the successes and a lot from the failures. It's always worth it. Business Radio. Powered by the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. Sirius XM 132. Stay informed with the latest news of agriculture with American Ag Today every weekday morning on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and I want to invite you to join the conversation as we talk the latest news, market information, ag technology, innovation, weather, and more on American Ag Today. That's every weekday at 6.52 Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. 
bigger story were these large hail events, as well as the high winds that raked so many areas across the nation's southeastern quadrant. We saw an incredible number, looking at the number of large hail reports, roughly 50 or so, where we saw two to five inch hail, which is very unusual for this part of the country. Large hail like that, much more common across the high plains where updrafts more easily get established and it tosses the balls of ice back and forth over and over again until they finally get too heavy and fall from the sky. Fairly unusual to see that in the southeast, but we did see up to five inch diameter hail, the largest hail that was observed based on these early reports coming out of Brooksville, Mississippi, east central Mississippi near the Alabama border, five inch hail, and then several dozen more reports in that two to four inch range all the way extending from eastern Oklahoma, northeastern Texas, all the way to the Atlantic coast of southern South Carolina, Georgia, and northern Florida. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And if you're coming in late, that's cool. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, we're going to be discussing drive belts. And uh, you know, there's, there's a few different ways that power can be transferred in a machine. And that machine could be in an engine, right? It could be on a printing press. It could be on a hay baler. It could be on a combine, right? Because you open up that side panel on the combine, and what is that? What is that thing all about? It's the transfer of power, right? The engine, the engine is making the power, and it has to go to the header. It has to go uh, every place else, right? It has to go. So it has to go uh, uh, through through. The, I'm going to say the feeding house, <laughs> the feeder house, and uh, down to the wheels, right? And so there's a number of different ways that power could be transmitted. All right, one way of power can be transmitted from an engine, because you have to remember, an engine or an electric motor. A motor, even though we, it just is a, in case you get called onto a game show like Jeopardy, a motor, historically, the proper, in its proper definition, does not have combustion. So we call it an electric motor. If there's some sort of combustion, then we call it an engine. But even though we use the, the term interchangeably, specifically the motor side, you open the hood on the track, you say, what kind of motor you got in there, right? And that's really not a motor, it's an engine. But in essence, the way it, with the track, the, the transfer of power from the motor or the engine right because you could have an irrigation pump electric irrigation pump or you could have a uh, a grain bin dryer with an electric motor on it is could be done either hydraulically through hydraulic fluid through a gear train which is a series of gears that go from the from the uh the drive part to the driven part we could do it through a chain or we could do it through a belt so those are the different methods that could be used to transfer power from the, we'll call it the power source. <clears throat> Excuse me, that'll be much more accurate than calling it a motor or an engine. Now, it is very common, specifically in agricultural equipment, machinery, and engines, is to use either a rubber belt of some style or a chain to have this transfer of power. And what we are discussing today is a rubber belt. And most people's first exposure, depending upon how old you are, right, 
is to have what they would call a fan belt, right? And uh, because back then all the belt operated was the fan and maybe a generator and later on an alternator. So even if you had an old gas tractor on the farm, there was some sort of belt. And historically, at that particular time, that one belt, they didn't have multi-belts. You may have had multi-belts if you had a bigger piece of equipment and you were running, let's say, a uh, some sort of hydraulic pump or a PTO, or you were running, and you had a your fancy schmancy, right? You had a you had a tractor with a cab, and you had air conditioning, right? So, or, or power steering, but it's, but it started out with a one belt, ran everything, and everything used to be was the water pump and, and a generator or an alternator. And then as more things went on, sometimes they added additional belt drives, but it was still coming off from the, from the crankshaft. So the thing is that. What I wanted what I want to emphasize to you today is that you know if you if you talk to somebody who's a, and I always like to make make an analogy to to high yield farmers right or or any type of farmer even if you're not high yield like me but the fact of the matter is you got to metaphorically in life look under the hood all right and on a farmer that means you got to get out into your field and look at your crops and and check out your crops and see as they're growing not at the not the day you planted and the day you harvest i mean a lot of people do that there's a guy who farms across from me in state land and uh he comes and he plants his corn and i can honestly say that he never comes back again until he comes back to harvest or get ready to harvest and check it out but I have never seen him, so I'm going to assume that he he does not come back. He could come back like a thief in the night when I don't see him, but I have. But he's certainly not there very often. If he comes once or twice during the growing season, it is probably a lot. But as I was saying, you got to look under the hood of life, right? And whether it's your own body, whether it's your animals, or whether it's a crop in the field, and also whether it is your machinery, is that you have to study things and look at it to see what's going on. Because otherwise, you're going to see what's going on when, when we're talking about machinery when it's broken down. So <clears throat> now a drive belt, a rubber drive belt, and as I said in the opening, they're not even really rubber anymore because everything is some sort of hybrid material, but we'll call it rubber, All right, is going to tell you a story. And what you have to understand, I'm going to give you some bullet points about drive belts. And it makes no difference if this is going on to a lawn tractor to run the mower deck or if it's going on to a combine to, 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 to operate it or going on an engine. Or, irrelevant, irrelevant, because the belt... The, the, the material in the belt does not know where it is, how big it is, how thick it is, how long it is, or what it is operating. No idea. Totally, totally clueless. All right? So just like when you're raising wheat and you're making wheat and you're sending it to the, to the mill and it's be made into flour, you don't know if it's going to be made, if that flour is going to be made into pizza, a birthday cake, a wedding cake, cookies, cake, whatever. You have no idea. All right? Could be made into pretzels. All right? So you, you, have, you don't know. So the same thing is with the rubber. Now, what you have to keep in mind is two major things, and then we're going to break off into, into other things. If you are taking a belt off a piece of equipment, regardless of what it is, and you are going to reinstall it for some reason. So let's say, arguably, <clears throat> you have your tractor, and there's a problem with the alternator. 
and out of your truck makes no difference all right and you have to take the belt off to service this part or change this part what you need to do prior to taking the belt off is to use a paint pen or a tire crayon however you want to mark it it has to be so it's going to stay on there at least while it's off and before you put it back until you put it back on and you need to mark the direction of rotation and i spoke about this a long time ago in the early days of this show but didn't really go into great depth the 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 practical aspect of it without getting mired in physics and science and molecular structure is that when a belt is being used and is in service and it's going to rotate around a pulley and a drive pulley and a driven pulley or multiple pulleys right is that the load goes on the belt one way so what's going to happen because the engine doesn't go backwards and forwards all right the combine itself goes backwards and forwards but the pulleys and everything don't go backwards and forwards when you put it in reverse everything is reversed all right so what happens is that the molecular structure of that belt takes and i'm going to use the word a set set a set one way because the load is always pulling it one way all right just like a tree that's that's bending and bowing one way or a crop that's 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 bending that that took a, a form from always bending in the wind so it's gonna it's going to take a molecular structure is gonna i'm gonna say aligned for lack of better terms but the belt is going to take a set one way so it is imperative that before you take that belt off what you do is you mark the belt so that when you put it back on because you're putting it back in service right our example is you're taking the belt off to change the alternator and the people they take the belt off they throw it on a floor whatever they make hot rod right well it's like anything in life what we're finding out is lots of things make a difference all right and specifically when you're farming and they, th- and they put it back on there all right and they very shortly have a problem thereafter so what will happen if you do not put an in-service belt on in its prop in in the way of rotation the direction of rotation that it is used to the belt is going to in short order what short order is i can't tell you it's usually not going to be three minutes all right it's going to stretch because now the molecules are going to be pulled the other way because the load is applied on and that belt will fall off and you'll say what uh, what's going on here i just put this i put this belt on last week i fixed this alternator and now this belt i'm going down the field i'm trying to plant and whoop the alternator light goes on right the belt fell off and the same thing is going to happen with a v-belt or a serpentine belt it doesn't make any difference there's a molecular structure and the belt is going to stretch so what you do is i like to use a, a paint pen a white paint paint pen and i make in a couple of different places on the belt i will make an arrow for the direction of rotation and i will make an arrow which way the belt is facing so i usually like to make it so i'm looking at the engine or the piece of equipment the combine the hay baler makes no difference what it is and i like to make it so i put an arrow so the belt is the arrow points towards me because if i'm going to take the work on the piece of equipment and take that belt off then i'm going to be i'm going to be i'm going to know which way it's oriented so i like to make a couple of different arrows with the belt with the with the arrow pointing towards me then then i'm one or two arrows with the belt with the direction of rotation this way you could take that belt and you could put it back in service and you're not going to have a problem 
and it is it, it and if the belt has some use on it and you put it back in service then the thing is that and you put it on i'm not going to say wrong you put it on backwards all right then you are going to have an issue when is the issue going to show itself i have no idea but the telltale sign is the belt falls off and there is nothing loose <clears throat> so the thing is that on a lot of on a v-belt they usually well they have some way to tension it on a serpentine belt which is a wider flatter belt that goes around many different many different pieces of many different driven sources i'll say that right it's a better way for me to say it usually use that uses a tensioner and either pulley that is a spring tensioner and then the belt will walk right off it won't break the same thing with a v-belt it'll walk right off and you look at it and say what's going on here and when a v-belt you say what's up hey joey you didn't tighten up the alternator when you put the belt on and no look it's tight right you put a wrench on the bolts they're all tight so how did the belt fall off right and on a serpentine belt it'll walk right off the tensioner and you'd be it'll be laying right there and unless it gets chewed up by something it'll be a hundred percent fine but if you did not mark that now you have a 50 50 chance of putting it back on in the wrong direction now historically in most instances with rare exception if you take an an in-service belt you put it on against its it's the rotation that it is used to and by chance you happen because you never marked it right so it went on the wrong way and by chance you happen to put it back on right so let's say it's a serpentine belt really easy to put back on and back on and you put it back by chance because now you got a 50 50 shot right and you put it back on in that in the rotation that it had for its first part of its life but you now stretched it the other way so now what's going to happen is the belt is going to stretch again because it's going to try to go back to its normal routine and it is going to fall off once more so the rule of thumb here is that if you have a belt any type of rubber belt and you do not mark it and you put it back into service and it falls off shortly thereafter i'm repeating whatever the shortly thereafter is telltale sign is there's no reason why it should have fallen off then you need to buy a new belt no matter how good that belt looks because now it's been stretched one way and now it's been stretched the other way and actually grew in length and it's and it's molecular structure you can say oh i could just tighten it up well you probably can tighten it up for a short distance but it's kind of lost its set all right it's i mean if you're on the side of the road or in a field and you put it back on there because you got to get the corn in the ground you got to do whatever yes it's not going to fall off in five minutes but it's constantly going to be problematic afterwards so you need to put a new belt on and mark the new belt all right that's going to be very very important all right now the second thing is that if you what you know you got to look under your hood like i say right you got to look under the hood of life is that what you have to do is you have to look at your equipment and what i like to do is have the engines or the equipment whatever it is all different type of equipment on the farm that uses belts all right and when it's new or in good shape or you're constantly looking at it but you need to look at it from its from in the beginning so you have a track record right like a control with a test block 
And, you know, is this stuff working? Here's our control. And you want to let it run if, if, if possible. And you want to be familiar with the way the belt runs in its pulleys or its pulley train. Lots of times you'll have four or five different pulleys. You'll have an idler. You'll have a guide pulley here. And you want to look at the pulleys and look at the belt. And you want to look to see if it's running true. And you want to look to see if it's moving around. All right, because if everything is 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 correct, that belt is going to have any and minimal to no side to side movement. If it starts to get, or if it has some side to side movement, and then then that's going to be the telltale sign that something is going wrong. Now, what could be going wrong? Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of poor engineers out there. All right, and these engineers often like to put spacers and washers behind something. So you may be out in the field changing an alternator, changing changing a water pump, doing something, and you don't know that there's a washer, a thin washer behind there. And lots of times they use these thin washers and spacers for pulley alignment, but you do not know that is there and you're taking a bolt. Half the time you can't see where you're working anyway. So that is a problem. You take a bolt out the washer or the thin little spacer. If it's a big spacer, you'll see it obviously and it falls on the ground and you put it back on and now the pulley alignment is off and it's going to wear the belt so just sit pat we're going to go to a quick break and we're going to finish up when we come back join us every saturday on rural radio sirius xm channel 147 at 10 a.m eastern time for ag talk your story matters This is America's platform for women in agriculture to share their thoughts, ideas, and stories. We feature our Ag Women Connects members, guest speakers, and current topics across the nation that affect our agriculture industry. And we invite you to be a part of our conversation every week. Hello, I'm Ethan Wayne. John Wayne and American Experience is in its second year in the Fort Worth Stockyards, and visitors are loving it. Come spend a couple hours and immerse yourself in Western nostalgia. Get a unique look into Duke's life that's only available here. All right, mister. You asked for it. Tickets available on johnwayne.com or they may be purchased at the Cowboy Channel Bar across the street on Exchange Avenue. Reserve your tickets now. A ProBox has enough seed to plant 125 acres of corn. Now, if you wanted to put 40 pounds of nitrogen on those acres, you'd need 1,200 gallons of anhydrous or 1,700 gallons of UAN or 5 tons of urea. But what if that amount of nitrogen was already on your seed? Pivot Bio is now putting nitrogen on seed. The first company to ever apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Real Ag Radio is Canada's only daily radio show focused on agriculture. Get expert advice on Agronomic Monday. Tuesdays and Wednesdays will cover a broad range of issues. Thursday, we'll hear from farmers across the country on the Farmer Rabbit Fire. And we'll wrap things up Fridays with the Real Ag Issues panel with Kelvin Hepner and Lindsay Smith. Join us Monday through Friday at 4.30 Eastern. And don't forget about the replay at 7 in the morning on Rural Radio 147, Sirius XM. Welcome back to the show, and once again, I went way, way long, and I am not balanced as far as my segment lengths, so I don't have much time. 
Uh, the thing is that keep in mind, as I start to say, is that if you start to see some wear on the sides of a drive belt, because lots of times you can't even see these belts when they're running, then that's an indication that the belt is moving back and forth. And as I was saying before the break, that lots of times it is uh, an alignment problem, but lots of but it could also be that a bearing is starting to fail in one of the idler pulleys and has just enough free play that when that that load comes on that belt, you may not be able to feel it with your hand but that load comes on that belt that belt is starting to move back and forth and the, and the telltale side side sign will be the wear on the side of the belt so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america and become familiar with looking at those belts because i tell you a very important story Rural Radio is your source for the most current commodity news. We bring you the latest market details and talk with a variety of market experts helping you protect your bottom line. With commodities shifting like never before from grain to livestock, your Rural Radio team will keep you informed because you voted RFD-TV as the number one most trusted source on farm market information for producers. We're gathering the news and insights you need to stay ahead of the curve. Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, your market authority. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Kenyon from the Cowboy Channel and Rural Radio and Western Sports Roundup. Well, it's a big world of Western sports out there. We try to make it a little smaller for you every weekday afternoon on the Cowboy Channel and on Rural Radio. Please join our entire team. Jeff Metters, Justin McKee, Amy Wilson, Janie Johnson, Katie Lucas, Ty McClary, and me. We'll tell you all about Western sports on Western Sports Roundup. Three in the West, six in the East on the Cowboy Channel, on Rural Radio, and on the Sirius XMF. From Kansas to Ohio, that's where you'll find Pivot Bio. From the Mississippi Delta and the Chesapeake, Nebraska and the hills of Tennessee. Proving on thousands of fields across this great land. When you work the ground till the sun goes down, Pivot Bio's got a plan. Greener plants and a healthy land, use our predictable nitrogen. Wherever farmers grow, yeah, that's where we go. Stay informed with what's going on throughout agriculture with American Ag Today on Rural Radio Channel 147. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and each weekday, I bring you the latest news, market info, ag tech news, and more with American Ag Today. Weekdays at 6.52 a.m. Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Hi, this is Ham Meadows from Nashville, and this is Rural Radio 147 on Sirius XM.